Hey everybody, welcome back to the Hum Podcast. Um, this is a podcast with Garrett, Christian, and Micah, where we um, intend to dive deeper into biblical and spiritual topics um, with the purpose of filling each other up and hopefully filling you as listeners up as in, with more of Christ from Scripture. Uh, today we are finaling, we are finalizing our spiritual disciplines uh, series that we've been on. We're going to look at the topic of evangelism today. Um, looking forward to this discussion uh, and excited to have these guys with us. It's a little different this week. We're on Zoom, so the audio probably sounds different. Uh, I am actually in, this is Micah, I'm actually in quarantine uh, for the next week and a half. So um, we are doing things a little bit differently. We're doing this over Zoom. So like I said, audio might sound different. <clears throat> if Garrett turns into a robot, that's because his internet dropped out. So. Uh, and my internet's not great. Yeah, but we're excited. <laughs> we're running on crappy internet here at Pre. <laughs> we're excited to continue the discussion, nonetheless. It's about doing? as it's about as bad as West Virginia internet here. <laughs> you guys don't even have fiber optics yet, do you? N- no, we actually don't. There's, I I still had dial up in uh, middle school. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I'd say that I had dial up in middle school, and then we had to cut it off. I didn't. I mean, my parents still don't have Wi-Fi. Really? Don't yeah, so have Wi-Fi. Yeah, there's no, like, nothing good. Like, we live a mile from Walmart, a mile from the AT&T store. We have fiber optics all throughout Russellville, and we can't get, like, Wi-Fi good, good enough that's worth buying. Really? What? Yeah, it's the, I mean, it is a weird, like, we're in, like, this weird little dead spot, so. I mean, I was going to, we had a hunt planned, but that might be my hunt. I mean, Russellville. Yeah, I, maybe the hunt is, like, how many people actually have access to Wi-Fi now? Oh. Yeah, but think think about how much of a first world problem that is. Right? <laughs> like how many people have access to good internet whenever there's yeah. people in the world that barely have access to water. Yeah, but in, but in some senses, Wi-Fi could almost be not as valuable as water, but if it's your means of income. Yeah, that's true. That could in, be. In our world, in, yeah. in, you know, in, in America, especially today with, you know, Michael wouldn't be able to work right now if he didn't have internet in a lot of ways, and even more so for uh, small business owners and you yeah. know people like that. Yeah, yeah I just looked up. Here, here's a good hunt for us. Out of the eight billion people in the world, almost four point five. Aren't we at eight billion people? Or are we at yeah, nine? Like Whatever it is, only four point five seven billion were active internet users as of July 2020. That's crazy. So only half of the world? So a little under yeah, one basically. Yeah, ain't that crazy that you thought wow. everybody... Wow. I mean, I, I was going to think at least 75%, but it might be... I mean, that's not even 50%. Because I think it's low 8 billions. I think our world population is like 8.2 or something, isn't it? Seven, oh, actually, we're at 7.5. Well, that was 2018. Well, let's call it 8. <laughs> even if it's at 8 billion. Right. Even Either way, that's billion, a lot that's, of people that's that don't a, have internet. That's more than half of the world doesn't have internet. That's wild. I would have never guessed. I would have said maybe 2 billion didn't have access. I went to a yard sale this weekend and um, for the 127 yard sale, I was talking to a guy who was a teacher at the time of the Y2K. I think it's what it, the Y2K in 1999. Right. Yeah, that, right before it was the, the big issue is they were afraid that now that everything was digital, Whenever it switched over to a new millennia, it was going. Everything was going to crash. Exactly, and we it's like we don't even remember that. Like I didn't even know that was a thing. 
I just hear stories about it. And this guy told me I that remember it. Google that he worked at sold all their computers because of that. I mean, he got them for like well, dirt cheap. I don't understand. Yeah, no, Google we, sold we them. Do a whole. No, he worked for a school. Oh, a school. school. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just like, why was it such a big shock that? Let's see. If you're looking at the calendar on the computer, the the nine would move. That one move. That one move. But when you get to this one, that one can't move. You know, that one can't go. It's gonna. You know, I don't. Know. Um, so internet's also important for, uh, and it can be important for evangelism, right? <laughs> We've come full circle. There's the segue. segue. Yeah, we're back. We're back into our uh, discussion. Um, you know what? We, we always point out when we're doing the transition. Yeah, I know. Well, you, sure. you. <laughs> Okay. No, I'm just kidding. We all, we all do it. Um, uh, yeah. So we're back to evangelism, and you know, a kind of interesting interesting thing. We say seven thousand on average, seven thousand words a day, which some definitely say more, and there's probably some that definitely say less. That would one depend on who you're around, one depend on your job description, or you know, if you live by yourself, you probably would say less than seven thousand words. Uh, if you live with a bigger family, you probably say more. Um, and if you're around more people or work at a bigger office, et cetera, whatever, you probably say more. But still, the average person says about 7,000 words a day. Uh, and that would mean, likely, unless you're like me or Garrett and talk to yourself, that you're talking to other people. Um, so do our words leave an impact? Are those 7,000 words, are those meaningful to those um, are those lifting others up? Are those tearing others <laughs> down? Are those sharing anything worth of value? Or are those just um, useless words that, um, that are going to waste away and fall away? Um, and the, the, the tongue is powerful. We see James talks about this in James 3. Uh, and I think this is a gift from God. I think uh, many of God's gifts that he's given us, we can skew and we can turn them uh, and even use them for evil. But I think he gives us that gift of the tongue being powerful so that we can share his message. Uh, and James 3, I won't, won't like read it word for word, but basically he talks about right there at the beginning of, of James 3, he talks about putting bits in the mouth of, mouths of horses. You can totally control a horse with just that little tiny metal bit. You can totally control them. Or, or a, a big ship has that small rudder in the back of it. But just turning that, you can change the course of this massive ship um, and, and, and it's the same way, he says it's the same way for our tongues, right? Or he says a, a great forest fire can be started by such a small spark. But he said the tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. It goes down with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing, my brothers. This should not be. So it's important when we're thinking about that, those 7,000 words, let's just say we're all average when we say 7,000. I know I say more than that because I can't stop talking in my own life. So, uh, but in quarantine, I'm pro- I might be more like five to 6,000. So who knows? Unless you talk uh, to yourself. Do what? Unless you talk to yourself. That's true. I do talk to myself, <laughs> but usually it's not out loud. Usually it's just in my head. So, um, but are those words we're saying, are those worthy of saying uh, those small in a good way? Those words that we're saying, is that like a small spark that can set off that fire in a good way, though? You know, is it that fire for Christ, so to speak? Or are we just using our words wastefully? Or are we setting a bad fire? You know, are we tearing people down? Are we being hurtful? Well, it's important to make that distinction. Um, it's a, 
I, I was reading this this morning in my study through Jeremiah. I've been doing it. Um, and some of those prophetic books in the Old Testament, man, they can get real just almost as bad as Leviticus where it's really boring. But yeah. then you come to these places where you're like, oh, my goodness, what did I just read? Yeah. And I, I was reading in, in chapter 23, and I, I noticed, you know, have you ever noticed that in the Old Testament, being a prophet was an occupation? Um, so I, I think I'll, for me personally, I don't know why, but for me personally, I always thought that being a prophet was just a calling that you had and um, you did it if, if you felt God was moving you to do it. But in the Old Testament and in, in towards the fall of Jerusalem, of, of Judah, there were prophets that made their living being prophets, be, act, acting like they were speaking God's words. The only issue was they weren't actually speaking God's words. They were, they were making stuff up as they went just in order to make a living off of what they were saying. And, and this is where I think it ties to what you're saying in James about speaking truth, because our words have so much power that if we use them in the wrong way or for the wrong purposes or for our own gain, uh, God's just going to toss us aside. He says, um, he said, the prophet who has only a dream should recount the dream, but, uh, but the one who has my word should speak my word truthfully for what is straw compared to grain. And so he, he's, he's talking to these prophets who have been misusing their platform and are just saying whatever they want to say to try to make it seem like it's more important. But he's saying, you know, woe to you because you, you're misrepresenting me. What is straw compared to grain? What, you know, who cares what you think? It's only important what comes from me. And if it's not, if, if what you're saying doesn't come from me, then it's not, it's not important. And he goes on, God goes on speaking through Jeremiah to them and there's parts within prophetic books. Anytime you see this is the Lord's declaration or thus saith the Lord or, or something of that nature, you know, it's, it's basically a direct quote from God in these verses, 29 through 30 um, through 32, every single verse has, this is the Lord's declaration. And then it says something, this is the Lord's declaration. And then it says something. So it's God is being extremely emphatic with making sure that these false prophets understand just how dangerous and how, um, how sinful they're being against him by speaking falsities of God, by, by corrupting what God, what, what their occupation is for their own purposes. And, and all that is to say that evangelism and speaking the word of God to others and speaking truth to others is an extremely important, but an extremely, you know, uh, it, it's something that we need to do with extreme caution because we don't want to misconstrue God's word and, and cause someone to stumble or speak against God in a way that, that, um, that, that brings condemnation on us. We want to make sure that we're steeped in God's knowledge and spirit so that the words that come out of us, like Micah said, are, are truth and they don't steer someone in the wrong way. And we have to remember that God blatantly 
blatantly uh, is against people that misconstrue his words. Um, and that, I think that's, that was a powerful passage there in Jeremiah about, about the importance of speaking truth and not your own. Yeah. Yeah. In, in first, I think it's, it's first Timothy or second Timothy, Paul writes and, and Timothy was a, a church leader. He's young, but he was, um, he was a church leader at the time and Paul tells him to do the work of evangelism. And some people might, they might disregard the question that say like maybe just me, Mike and Garrett, since we are full-time pastors and youth pastors, maybe that do the work of evangel evangelism is only for people who have the gift of evangelism, if that makes sense. And I think what I think we miss out on evangelism is for everybody. Now what Garrett said is we need to be careful uh, in evangelizing because we want to we want to evangelize truth we want to speak truth we want to preach truth we don't want to uh, we don't want to lead somebody down the wrong path because of our lack of studying God's word or, or lack of knowledge but that still shouldn't scare us away but I think a hard thing is that a lot of people think that only the pastors or only the youth pastors yeah. or only the missionaries are to evangelize yeah uh, and I think I think your thriving churches are the ones where your lay members and uh, your just average churchgoers, just the the average the laity within the church, are the ones who are going about and doing evangelism. That's Absolutely. I think that's where you see the growth. Yeah, for sure. I think I think it's kind of funny um, that you know that you said when we first had the COVID shutdown. Um, there was a push from churches, basically, that, you know, hey, don't forget, the church is not in these walls. Let's go be the church in the community. Let's, let's, let's take this as an opportunity. Like, let's go out and be the church. And so now we've kind of started, we started kind of getting back to normal. They had a little more shutdown. And then all of a sudden, it became like, a, we want to get back inside the church. You know, it's almost like we forgot that Hey, what did we say like three months ago? Like, let's go out and be mm -hmm. the church. And, and to your point, Christian, I think, I think you're absolutely right. I think a church's growth um, pivots, pivot, it pivots. Uh, Y'all seen Friends? Pivot, pivot. I do not like Friends at all. Okay, what? <laughs> every time I, every time I say the word Lame pivot or show. hear it. <laughs> Lamest show I've ever seen. Yeah, well, you don't like anyway, friends. It is not fun. That the humor in friends is not funny. I think. Well, we have different senses of humor. <laughs> <laughs> well, he has a different sense of humor than everyone in America. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know if I'd stretch it that much. But anyway, every time I say pivot or hear it, and me and Bucky have a running joke, we'll just say pivot, pivot, because one of the scenes in the show they're trying to get a couch on the stairs. Anyway, so I think a church it totally can grow or die with the congregation. I think mm. congregations get so, um, you know, I'm thinking more modern congregations with, we got to get a youth pastor. That's going to be really good. He's going to engage our students. We got to get a children's minister. That's going to be really good. Engage our children. We got to get a senior minister that's young, but he also can reach the old, the older congregation and, and could really do a really good job of speaking. And I'm like, and then we'll grow. That's the idea is if we get all that, then we'll grow. It's like, no, like if you're not growing now, you're not going to grow with yeah. good ministers. You might grow a little. You might have a little tiny growth. But growth is about 
preaching the word, right? And, and we preach the word through relationships. You, you evangelize through relationships. I've said it on this podcast. I've, I've heard Bucky say it a million times. People don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. And people are not going to, you know, you, you look at scripture. I mean, it, there's, there's a development, a growth of relationship before, you know, look at like the prisoners with Paul and Silas and, and the, the prison guard. There's even, the, even that small, there's, there is a relationship that's kind of built. Even it's really, really small, but through a shared experience. They have a shared experience, and that's why this man is like, all right, I'm willing to listen because of, I just saw the doors blow off your prison cell. So I'm interested, you know. It's, it's hard for us to just go screaming at people to follow Jesus when they don't know how much we really care about them. And, and there's got to be that build, building of relationship, I think. Yeah, I, I think... Saint uh, Saint Francis of Assai, um, there's a quote from him that says, preach the gospel, if necessary, use words. And the whole point of that quote is, you know, our entire lives should be indications of what we believe, of, of, of the gospel that is inherent within our hearts. And, you know, that's, that is to say a preacher or a pastor, a leader of a church congregation can't be the only one that preaches the gospel. Our entire lives should be an indication of the gospel message being preached. And if the church is going to grow, if the gospel is going to spread, we can't simply rely on someone that stands up every Sunday and Wednesday night and gives a lesson or a sermon. We have to be the church and preach the gospel simply by the way we live our lives. And, you know, that doesn't mean we go up to a street corner and we stand out and we get a microphone and we shout out the the gospel and and read verses of scripture. But it does mean that in every aspect and faucet of our lives, we should point people to Jesus simply because of the actions that we have, because of the compassion we show them, because of the hopes and dreams that we have that are connected to the kingdom of God because of the, the desires that we have that aren't of this world, but are in connection to the desires of Christ. And, and when our connection with the gospel and our connection with Christ propels us in life, then our very live lives will be what preaches the gospel and works as evangelism towards others. And I, I think it's important that, that we realize that in so doing, when we're aware of that, when we're aware that, you know, we're called to spread the gospel, we're called to preach the gospel, we're called to, to lead others to Christ, um, that, that action is one that Jesus promises that he will be there with us. In, in Acts chapter 1, he's talking to his disciples right before he leaves um, earth and ascends into heaven. He says... Um, it says, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when this Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He's saying, when you be my witness, when you go take the gospel, when you go out and, and live as I have taught you to live, I'm with you. My spirit is spreading. It is empowering you. It is guiding you. and uh, through through you, 
I will be active through your actions, through your preaching of the gospel, I will be active. And so that's where the, the spiritual discipline comes in is that God, Jesus says, my spirit will come on you with power when you are spreading my word. That's, that's why evangelism is a spiritual discipline, really because of what he said to his disciples right there. I said, yeah, you said, I always thought you said the quote from St. Francis. I always thought it was St. Francis of Assisi, but it's pronounced Assai. Um, I, I, I don't look that up. I was going to say, I, I, I couldn't remember the word, but Assisi is what I've always heard too. But I couldn't remember. Yeah, either, I think either, it is Assisi. I, I, uh, yeah. oh, well, either, either way, I was, I've heard that quote so many times too. Uh, and I love that quote, you know, preach the gospel at all times and if necessary, use words. And, you know, as Micah was saying, too, to, to our actions need to be showing the gospel at all times. And we need to think about what that looks like. Uh, and that's one of my goals is I always want to show the gospel and I want to show the love of Christ through my actions. Here's where I struggle. And maybe you guys are in the same boat. Maybe you're not. I'm all about showing the love of Christ through my actions. And I, I love action-oriented things. One of the ways I struggle in is with the words part. Uh, now, I love to preach, and, and I can uh, preach sermons, and I can preach to our youth, and, and I love doing that, and, and I think that's one of the gifts God's given me. But but I, I think of more of uh, the evangelism in one-on-one situations is where I struggle the most uh, to, to, to talk about Jesus and to actually use those words. So, you know, uh, St. Francis of Assisi said, uh, when necessary, use words. And, but I think for me, my motto to help me better myself in evangelism uh, for the glory of God is that I need to always share words. And I, and I think for me, when I'm sharing the gospel, it is necessary for me to share words because it's in those words that the people that I'm sharing the gospel with are, are going to be guided. And there's a balance there's a balance. Uh, you know, have you heard the, the term, the holistic gospel that, that we need to be sharing the gospel through social aspects as well as, uh, you know, as well as the things of evangelism and preaching the mm-hmm. word. Uh, and I think one of the ways I do struggle is with the, the one-on-one uh, that, that, you know, sometimes I think my actions are enough and actions are good and they point people to Jesus, but then there needs to be that counterbalance. Yeah. And I think this is the scariest part for some people is that one-on-one, like, Hey, uh, talking about Jesus. And that's where I struggle. Cause yeah. I mean, I'll talk about sports. I'll talk about dumb things. I buy at a yard sale. I'll talk about anything. I love to talk. But sometimes I find myself falling short of talking about Jesus and what he's done for people. And you know, it's crazy how, how normative it's become to not talk about it. Like yeah. to, to the point where if someone does bring up how the spirit's been moving in their life, or if someone does bring up how God's been working within them or how, what, what they've been, you know, a, a way that they really saw God move. Our first instincts is to kind of like step back and like, ah. I want, I want to corroborate that with evidence. Like, like we, we don't want to just simply trust that what they're saying is, is, is true because we don't want to, because we, we want to, I don't know, ensure that, that God is actually moving instead of just wanting to talk about the way he moves and, and wanting to talk about his spirit. And, you know, I, I had this, yesterday I was meeting with some people and, and they were talking about 
they, we just started, you know, getting on a conversation about, about the way God answers prayers and the way God is moving in someone that they know's life. And, and I was, you know, part of me was ecstatic to know that they had been praying and that they were seeing God move. But the other part was of me was like, well, is that really the case? And, and I think it's become normative for us to think that way. It's become normative for us to not, to not have evangelism, to not want to, to, to kind of well up inside and close, close ourselves in and not, not just naturally talk about, about Christ, about God, about the gospel, about what the way he moves. And I think that's a, you know, part of the reason why so much happened around the dinner table in the new Testament was because it was around the dinner table that they just opened up in their discussions about God. And I don't think we do. I, I don't think in a lot of ways when we sit around the dinner table or when we sit around with friends and lounge around and hang out, you know, someone brings up something about God and the way he moves about the spirit. You know, everyone just kind of waits until it goes away and then they bring up something else. Like no one's, that's not the focal point of our conversations anymore. Like it was in the early church. Mm. Yeah, I think there's a fear there um, like Christian was talking about a minute ago. I think there's a fear of evangelism. There's a fear of, 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 putting yourself out there and, and, and cause what you're doing is you, you are undoubtedly putting yourself and setting yourself apart from other people and you're putting yourself on an Island, so to speak, when you, um, when you do that. And then there's a fear of that. Uh, there's a fear, I think of, of being left behind there or, or being rejected. And if I'm rejected, I'm never going to be able to talk with them again. Um, and I think, you know, I don't, I don't know that it's, it's such a terrible, terrible fear. But at the same time, I think that fear, um, when it inhibits us from speaking, uh, it is, is bad. And I think that part of that is, uh, you know, I, I remember there was a time when I was in seventh, uh, seventh grade and this kid, I was a proclaimed Christian and I, you know, people knew that about me. I wasn't going on the uh, you know, evangelism, Oregon trail or anything, but people knew that about me and they knew I was a Christian, knew I went to church. And one day I had brought it up. It was in science class and this kid said something and I responded. And, and so we walked out of class and he said, he basically said, why do you believe in God? Or, you know, how do you even know God exists? And I froze. I didn't know what to say. Um, Cause I wasn't prepared for that. I never felt, you know, growing up like, Oh, that'll never happen to me. Or, you know, I never really have to like, you know, everyone believes in God, you know, like I get it, you know, but then that kid straight up called me the carpet and I didn't know what to say. I, I literally had no response. I don't remember even what I said. I'm sure I said nothing. Um, but I think part of that is the, the, the preparation. I think we've got to be prepared for moments like that because they happen. And especially when we pray for those to happen, you know, God, give me someone to yeah. share with, give me someone to, to talk with uh, and let me say your words. Let me speak scripture and only scripture so that I can, share with someone the good news of who you are. I think it's all about preparation and trusting that God's going to give you that person uh, or people that you're going to have an opportunity to share yeah. with. And when we're given that opportunity, asking for boldness, asking God, God, give me, you know, God tells us what, when we ask, we will receive, especially if it's from, from God, you know, if it's asking for wisdom or, or some sort of boldness or something like that, if it's for his gain, if it's for his, the gain of his kingdom, he's going to give it to you. Uh, and I think we just have to trust in that. And I'm like, Garrett, I, I've kind of felt that same thing in the last couple of years, but I've really recognized it in the last few months. 
there's this real like dichotomy in churches. You've got like Christian church and then you've got like spirit led churches and you know, um, Christian churches is, is, is more like what Garrett, how Garrett is describing. And, and, you know, we're like, I don't really know if God healed that, you know, like I believe he does have the power, but like, nah, I don't know if he, you know, and then we've got on the other side, the, the spirit led churches, they, they, they live that, right. They pray for that constantly. And there's, there's a, there's a communication that is different than what we even understand. And I think sometimes, man, I think, you know, I, there's often conversations about denominations, who's right, who's wrong, whatever. I don't think, you know, necessarily anyone's totally right or totally wrong. Um, I think we all have errors and we're all sinners falling short of the glory of God. So therefore, every denomination is going to have its faults because it's made up of people. But man, I think sometimes we got to get out of our bubble and stretch it a little bit. You know, I'm with you, Garrett. And that's, God's really been telling me that in the last few months. Like, hey, you know, like this is what you've always, I grew up in a Christian church. I, I went to Christian church. Uh, even in college, I went to to a Christian church in college. Some, um, I am a minister of Christian church now. It's like this is all you've ever gotten. Maybe you need to stretch it and try to get some from from somewhere else. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's important for Christians, man. Stretch it, get uncomfortable, do things that don't make you, you know, do things that that aren't aren't normal, uh, and see what you find. And your story about uh, from uh, what you say it was middle school or yeah, like seventh um, grade, I think. Yeah. You, you you brought up two interesting sides of the spiritual disciplines with evangelism. Uh, the first one is is preparation. You know that's a a spiritual discipline. When we know that our calling as Christians is to go and preach the gospel to every nation, we know that we have to be prepared. We have to study. We have to know what we're preaching, and that's a spiritual discipline: studying and preparing and and ensuring that we know what to say to people as we spread the gospel. That's a spiritual discipline. The other side is praying for people to come. That, that's, a, that's a spiritual discipline because we're avidly focusing on evangelism and praying for that to come. So that, that both sides of those are spiritual disciplines of relying on God. And when we do pray, it happens. I, I, um, about a year and a half ago, I was really struggling because I felt like all I was doing in ministry was the same thing week after week of, you know, teaching and pouring into the students that were already there, which is fine. That's, you know, that's one of my strengths is teaching and, and I love doing that. And I want to work, I want to use my strengths, but I kind of came to this realization after reading um, Francis Chan's recent book, Letters to the Church, I came to this realization that I wasn't, what, what was I doing for outreach? What was I doing to reach others, to minister others? And so I, you know, I remember, I even remember where I was when I was praying um, this prayer um, I was in the shower and I was praying and I say, God, I give me someone to help. Give me someone to reach. Give me someone, put someone in my life that really needs you that I can just come alongside of and help them in that process. And I mean, it wasn't a week later before someone literally came to our church and I poured into him for uh, about a year and a half. Um, before he moved away and built this awesome relationship. And, and it, it's incredible how when we pray for something like that, when we get specific in our prayers and we want to use the spirit that he provides the avenue for it to be used, when we trust 
in that spirit to move within us and desire for it to move, he provides the, the place for it to move. Um, and that's, you talk about, you know, Garrett had that one person. When we think about evangelism, we can get overwhelmed because, you know, we think, you know, we're called to share the good news to everybody and all and reach all the ends of the earth. And that is true, but, but it's not just for one person to do. Uh, it's for the, the church to do it together. And here's the thing is we can do it one person at a time mm. uh, in the Gary and Mike are in the Christian church. Uh, and I, I go to a Southern Baptist church and they're doing uh, the Southern Baptist convention has put on a campaign for almost the past year now. And it's called who's your one. Uh, and what they're encouraging the churches in the convention is to get your, your members to just focus on one person. Uh, and for like 40 days, you pick a person, you, you pray for them intently, you pray that they would come to Christ. Uh, and, and through this, I know my dad's church is doing it back home and, and, and at our church did it. We're able to see people come to Christ because people get overwhelmed. They're like, oh, I can't evangelize to somebody, but you can evangelize to one person, yeah. anybody. Uh, any Christian can do that. So don't get overwhelmed. Focus on that one person. It might take a whole year. It might take five years, but but focus on uh, at least one person to, to really pour into uh, and, and to really share the good news with. And there might be ups and downs in, in that one person too. I yeah. mean, there were, there were times with um, the person I was talking about that I just wanted to just wring his neck because of something he did or said and and just the stress of it but the relationship you build with someone in the process especially when you're only focusing on one person you build a stronger bond with them than if you're trying to evangelize 15 people at one time and that bond that you make with that person corresponds then to the bond that they start to make with Christ because they take that one-on-one connection with you and take it to a one-on-one connection with, with Christ instead of, you know, taking a 15 on one connection and, you know, it it transfers is what I'm saying. Yeah. We're going to get Southern Baptist real quick on the podcast. Uh Let's adopt that. that. Uh, Who's your one listeners uh, and podcasters, Christian Garrett. Um, Christian's got a head start on us, Garrett, because he's been doing this for a while. Uh, I don't know. I preached that exact sermon uh, about a month and a half ago. Well, actually, the Sunday before we got in our wreck was a, I preached that sermon. A year. Oh well, get some, Garrett. Ah, oh, uh, damn. You can even read the Bible. So, um, listen. I like that. Who's your one listeners? That's that's what we're that's what we're gonna do on this uh, podcast. Let's think about that, and I want to challenge all of us with that. Uh, as Christian has already said that his church is challenging his, their members. Let, let's, let's try to pick a, you know, let, let's rephrase that. Pray for God to send you a person yeah. and let them be your one that you just pour into. Uh, spend time with them, you know, COVID style, you know, social distance and wear that mask, but um, spend time with them. Um, use social pray. media. Yeah. Use social yeah. media. No, but I mean, but seriously, I, you know, social media is huge. Uh, it can be a big representation of who you are. It can also be uh, a really poor representation if you're posting um, garbage stuff or, you know, posting yeah. uh, very divisive things. We don't want to post divisive things. We want to post uplifting things. Um, you know, I think one of my, I think of two or three people I can think of right now, man, they post something and I'm so excited to read it because it's just, it fills you up every time. It's always wholesome. It's always good. And so, like, I look out for those people 
and I go and find their posts and man, I'm just like, man, that's such an awesome, you know, it's such, such good words. And often it's not like they're quoting scripture or anything. It's just, that's just who they are. You know, they're just going to be uplifting and sometimes there's scripture involved, but so who's your one. And I think as we kind of um, wrap this podcast up and as we just kind of think about evangelism, man, it's so important to build those relationships with people. And, and, and like Christian alluded to earlier, and Garrett alluded to as St. Francis of Assai or Assisi, however you are, however you call it at home. Um, you know, well, I know it's not Assai now because I remembered where I got Assai from. It's from a, a, a fantasy book series. Oh, okay. So it's like the Assai berries or Akai, A-C-A-I, fruit, whatever that is. A-S-S-A-I. Yeah. So, yeah. Always preach the word, and if necessary, use use words. Uh, and and I think it's it's huge how we live, how we carry ourselves every day. Um, Bucky always said when when I was a student, Bucky is my youth minister. So a lot of times I allude to him. It was when I was a student in in a very impactful time in my life, and a developmental stage. He used to say, "You may be the only Christ that someone ever sees." Um, walking through the halls of school, work at work, whatever it is, you may be the only Christ that anyone ever sees. So if we can carry ourselves like that constantly, man, people are going to recognize uh, who Christ is and people are going to see Christ uh, through you. That's the goal uh, so that people recognize him and that, that people would, would join in his kingdom. Um, that's all I got, guys. You got anything? I end on um, this passage from Paul in Romans. He's talking about preaching the gospel to Jews and Greeks, that there's no separation. And he says, how then can they call on him they have not believed in? And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how how can they preach unless they are sent, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news? And we're the ones that are called to bring that good news. That's what the gospel means. It's good news. Jesus calls us to bring it. Paul says how important it is to preach it, and we do but that with our very lives. Those are metaphorical beautiful, uh, beautiful feet, because I can tell you Garrett's are not. <laughs> I am the ugliest feet. Listen, it's, my feet are ugly because of cross country in high school. I would jam my feet in, as I was running, I'd jam my feet into my shoes, and they would like mess up my toenails, and then I'd go straight from that into – uh basketball and i never gave my feet time to heal and so i have scars on the bottom of my feet from calluses and my (laughs) my right big toenail falls off once a year oh that's good your feet kind of look like hooves if you're listening still you need to turn this podcast yeah yeah hey christian once you once you close us in prayer man all right i will um god we love you so much and help us to evangelize god help us to uh, help us to live it out, uh, uh, but help us to speak it. Help us to, to talk with others about your wonderful name and, and what Jesus has done for you, whether it's through social media and, and even through in person, God. And and I pray that anybody listening right now, God, that, that they would be able to find that one person. Uh, maybe it's a friend, a family member, whatever it is. God, help us to find that one person to evangelize to. Uh, and, and we just pray that you would work in that one person's life already, knowing that you know who it is. And then we pray this in your awesome name. Amen. <laughs>